Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Are you believing the hype? We are 95 days away till Hawaii comes on down to West End, plays the Vanderbilt Commodores. It's about that time of year where we have to properly gauge how we want to assess the hype around these different teams. There's a lot of them right now, a lot of teams that are getting a ton of buzz. We'll unpack that in its entirety, but welcome in. We're glad you're here. You made it, okay? This is a safe place. We're talking ex exclusively college football right now. For about the next hour or so, you've got a lot going on in your world. We're glad you're here, all right? So kick them up. We'll talk some ball. We'll have a good time. ESPN took part in list season, as it is sort of known around college football media right now. And there is a list of 75 quarterbacks since 2000. Bill Conley of ESPN says it's the best 75 quarterbacks since the year 2000. Uh, we're going to break that down. We're going to go within the top 10. As much as I would like to dive into all 75 of those different rankings, we're going to stick in the top 10. It's it's we'll jump into that here in a second. All right, I have a lot of thoughts on that, but uh, it's list season, so we'll, we'll you know we'll we'll tread lightly. Now the Big Twelve has got some win totals out there. We're keeping with the win totals we like sort of segments. Y'all have continued to respond well to that, and I want us all to make money, so we're going to just keep on giving out win totals so we can all be rich this time next year and we can pay for Christmas gifts early. College football, the video game is back. I'm getting ahead of myself here because that's our last segment, but I am so fired up. We're going to get that back on our television screens on our game consoles soon. I haven't bought a game console since the last NCAA football video game did come out, and we're just going to kind of take a, tri a trip down a memory lane and talk about what needs to be in that game, what we love about that game, why that's a good thing for college football. Before we do that, though, the Oregon Ducks are on an absolute recruiting heater. Dan Lanning joined the show about two months ago, and we talked to him about 2023 and Bo Nix coming back and all the good things they had in store for this coming season. But we also asked him about what he's done on the recruiting trail and talked about the national brand that Oregon is. So that has continued to pay dividends as Oregon's a top 10 class at the time of us recording this or time of us being live. Rather, we're going to unpack that and why that is a very big deal, probably bigger than why it meets or than, than what meets the eye with Oregon. And that'll be a lot of fun to unpack, though. Can't waste too much more time. Appreciate everybody tuned in live. Appreciate everybody on podcast. Like the video if you're in here right now. If we get to 100 likes by the time we get off air, I will tell you who we have on the show this coming Thursday. It's a Power 5 head coach. I think you'll want to hear about it. It's a great conversation. Again, hit the like button. A little thumbs up right next to the bottom of the video. Go ahead and like that, and we'll keep on rolling here. Also, last thing I got to mention, we always got to say it for all the good people tuned in live. If you have a question, related to college football, or maybe not about college football. We've got some of y'all already got in the chat early this morning getting in your questions. Send those in right now. Nick, break, keeper of the queue. We're going to answer those as we get closer to the end of the show, so we appreciate you in advance for that. All right, can't waste any more time. ESPN, Bill Connolly, put out a list of the top 75 college quarterbacks since the year 2000. Quick note on this. It is list season. So if you had some sort of emotional response to this, whether you agree, uh, agreed emphatically or maybe you disagreed emphatically, whatever kind of response you gave, that's what this is supposed to do. 
Okay, lists are supposed to be picked apart. There is no such thing as a perfect list when it comes to sports, much less college football. But with that being said, now within this top 75, I want to go down to the top 10 here. And let's take a look at it right now because this is what really drew the, the majority of the buzz around social media. So Bill Connolly, again, this is ESPN's list, has Baker Mayfield at one, Cam Newton at two. We got Vince Young at three. We got Tebow at four. Joe Burrow is number five. Deshaun Watson at six. Kyler Murray, another Sooner on the list at number seven. Lamar Jackson at eight. Marcus Mariota at nine. Robert Griffin the third at 10. So that's your top 10. And listen, it's it's not horrible. Like you're, you're going to find a lot of people on the extreme sides of this list. It's not a horrible list, but I will say this. I have some very strong disagreements with this list. I do. And okay, so so list season has already got me. It's taken me prisoner. That's the reality here. I have now fallen victim to what this list is supposed to do. Now, with that being said, we're taking the bait. We're going to tell you what's wrong with this list and what has to be changed about it. As before we do that, though, before we do that, as we get rolling here, make sure you're subscribed right here to the On3 YouTube channel. We talk college football every single day. We're both a little bit sick for this game. That's why we're talking about it right now in May. And that's why you're watching a college football show right now in May. So go ahead, make sure you're subscribed, make sure you're locked in. Appreciate you in advance for that. Okay, here's my number one gripe with this. And this jumped right off the page as I saw it scrolling on Twitter. Where in the world is Johnny Manziel in this top 10? They had Johnny Manziel at number 13 on this list. And I, I about had an aneurysm, like legitimately Johnny Manziel. We'll talk more about like the, the way that it felt watching him, but let's just go back to just the thing that we can trust. The thing that does not play favorites. And that's the stats. Let's just look at the top 10 here. Look at, look at number 10, rather Robert Griffin, the third, right from my backyard where I moved from, I was living in Waco, Texas for the better part of the last three years. There is a statue to Robert Griffin, the third out front of McLean stadium. And for good reason was phenomenal. But Johnny Manziel should be ahead of RG3. And if RG3 is at 10, I don't know where you're putting Johnny Manziel. Looking at the numbers here, we're going to take a two-year sample size because RG3 started his freshman season, did well, but his better football was played his last two years. So these two guys, their best two years compared to each other. Johnny Manziel, in his two years, 63 touchdown passes, 7,820 yards, 30 rushing touchdowns, over 2,000 rushing yards. So that's that. RG3 had less yards and less touchdowns in that two-year sample size. And if you want to say that RG3 played as a freshman, I would say big whoop. Like, that's I, I, great. It's great for your career stats. But you want to look at the actual sample size of meaningful football played in your junior, senior years. I don't know if it's junior or senior so much for Johnny Menzel. But your last two years? Come on now. Like Johnny Manziel, when we saw him playing the game, he, he was one of those guys that just took over. Like the, the memory of him beating Alabama in Tuscaloosa and the bobble and the throw and all that, like that's phenomenal. But he, there was multiple times where if Johnny Manziel isn't playing quarterback for Texas A&M, they're not even in the ball game. Like the Chick-fil-A bowl against Duke where he's hurdling over dudes and, and jumping left and throwing right. And like he just was someone that took over games. I'm not saying RG3 didn't do that, but to look at the numbers, to pair that with how you felt about Johnny Menzel when you watched him play football, there was nobody better on the field than Johnny Menzel when he was on the field. Period. The end. Mic drop. That's how we feel about it. Okay. 
You can tell I'm getting excited about this. So we've fallen victim to list season, but men lie, women lie, numbers don't lie. Also, you want to take it a step further. Lamar Jackson is number eight on this list, according to Bill Connolly. Lamar Jackson completed, completed 57% of his passes. Lamar Jackson making a whole lot of money in the league. Johnny Menzel currently on the couch when football is being played on Sundays. I still would put Johnny Menzel over Lamar Jackson. You can't complete less than 60% of your passes and be top 10 for me. Just can't do it. Lamar Jackson, a great football player, a great quarterback, but top 10 ahead of Johnny Menzel? I don't buy it. I don't buy it, all right? Get in the chat right now if you're tuned in live. Let me know the tweaks that you would make to this list. If you're watching this as a taped video that we've cut up later, get in the comment section. If you're on podcast, leave a five-star review and let me know the same as well. But that's the benefit of being tuned in live. We can hear from y'all during the show. <clears throat> we move along. Another issue I have. <clears throat> At number 10, they had RG3. But at number 12, where is Colt McCoy on this top 10 list? Like Vince Young's at three. I love Vince Young's there, but I would argue you could make a very strong case for Colt McCoy being the best quarterback to play at the University of Texas. And I understand Vince Young has the going for the pylon. He gets in the end zone. They beat USC, brings a national title home. Colt McCoy won 45 games as a starter at Texas. Colt McCoy could have very feasibly led Texas to a national championship. I know woulda, shoulda, coulda had he not gotten hurt in the national title game. But there was a period of time there where Colt McCoy was, I believe, one of the, if not the winningest college quarterback. He was also, for a period of time there until Mac Jones came along, the most accurate college quarterback. Completed 70% of his passes. Over 13,000 yards in the career. Over 112, touch, I mean, 112 touchdowns. Over 1,500 rushing yards. Like, if you want to put a Texas quarterback in the top 10, if I had to, to switch someone around, I might even bump Vince Young down a little bit. Texas fans don't get upset. Colt McCoy, I think you can make a very real case for being the best college quarterback from Texas. I believe he belongs in this top 10. I know the Texas fans are going to be after me about Vince Young. That's okay. Colt McCoy, his resume speaks for himself. We'll look at the numbers. Men lie, women lie, numbers don't lie. Now, at number one on this list, and this was probably what drew the most emotional response from the Twitter sphere, Baker Mayfield at one from the University of Oklahoma. Listen, I love Baker Mayfield, dude. Love Baker Mayfield. I think he's one of the best college quarterbacks to ever strap it up. I believe that wholeheartedly. I believe he belongs in the top 10. Watching him play ball, the, the, the fire, the passion, the way he elevated his teammates, one of the ultimate competitors, I was at the game at Ohio State when he did the flag plant. Like, there's so much that adds to the legend that is Baker Mayfield. Want to take nothing away from him. Well, the one thing I do want to take away from him is I don't know that you put him number one on this list. And the number one response that people gave to this was, well, he never won the national title. I think that's fair to a degree, but I would even just look at the guys that are below him. Cam Newton, Tim Tebow, Joe Burrow. Tim Tebow, for a lot of people, myself included, is the best college football player ever. Ever. He's got the Heismans, or the Heisman, rather, a couple of Heismans nominees, uh, national championship. Did it over a, an extended period of time at the highest level in the SEC. Like, I'm not taking anything away from Baker Mayfield, but to put him at one? Joe Burrow had the best season. I understand he had a, a, a season with LSU, previously before the season where they won a New Year's Six Bowl, Joe Burrow was the epitome of dominant at the position. Cam Newton was the epitome of dominant at the position. 
Baker Mayfield, really, really good. Was he ever dominant? I don't know that you can say that he was the epitome of dominant. He was dominant at times, but like I watched Joe Burrow, I watched Cam Newton, I watched Tim Tebow, all three of those cats, for me, you watched them play ball and you felt like because they were the starting quarterback, no matter what the score was, they had a really good chance to win that football game. You felt like they were going to win because of Tim Tebow, because of Joe Burrow, because of Cam Newton. And I understand that Joe Burrow was thrown to some all-pro NFL wide receivers. I get that. But LSU, that offense, it was, we're going to score 60. Joe Burrow's going to throw for like 300, 400, and four or five touchdowns. Try to catch us. Like, that was how they lived life. Baker Mayfield, a really good quarterback. A really, really good quarterback. A top 10 quarterback. I think he belongs to this top five. But at number one, it's a little bit rich for me. A little bit rich for me. The dominance of those guys that I just mentioned, I think, belong within the top three. Now, I'm not dunking on Vince Young. I want to make sure that's clear. I'm not dunking on Vince Young, but going back to that, I do think Colt McCoy belongs in the top 10, and you can make a case for him being the best quarterback to come from Texas. And Johnny Manziel. Johnny Football, dude. Like, to have your last name and your nickname be the sport that you play, to be known as Johnny Football, like, I'm just saying. I think that speaks for itself. So that's the tweaks I would make to this top 10 list. Again, if you're, watching, if you're watching live right now, that's the benefit of being live. Get in the chat. Let us know. We'll talk about that at the end of the show. All right? Whew. We're heated. We're, we're fired up. We're like a well-oiled machine this morning with uh, the top 10 quarterback list getting us, getting us going. All right. Appreciate everybody tuned in live. Again, if we get to 100 likes by the end of the live show, we will reveal who we are going to have coming on the next live show. All right, so go ahead, click that little thumbs up button. Appreciate you in advance for that. A little less than halfway to that number right now. All right, let's move right along here. It's a dangerous time of year. Dangerous time of year because this is the part of the year where we start to forget what happened last year and we start to focus a lot on the way that these rosters look and what happened through the portal and who has the best hype video and all that. And I, I'm for all that. I think all that is great. I'm for that. I'm drinking the Kool-Aid right along with y'all, with these teams. But I think we need to take a proper assessment of who the most hyped teams are in college football heading into 2023. Now, I put out a question on my Twitter page, at JD Piquel, because I believe that our audience that also follows me on Twitter has a phenomenal pulse for the world of college football. And I just said, who is the most hyped team heading into 2023? I didn't say who's the most inappropriately hyped team. I just said, which is the most hyped team in college football? So y'all responded in full force. A lot of these that you responded with, we match up on, but that's another benefit to follow me on Twitter. So listen, we're just going to jump right into this. There's no way around it. This was the number one response that we got on my Twitter page, and that is the University of Texas at Austin is, for my money, right up there with the number one and number two hyped team in the country. And Texas fans, y'all aren't any strangers to this. You understand how this works. There is a certain prestige around that Longhorn logo. There just is, man. There's a certain expectation that comes with being the school in the state. You're a school that's known by the state. It's not University of Texas at Austin. They just call you Texas, and you know who you're talking about. A lot of schools in Texas, but you're referred to as Texas. The branding itself carries some weight with it. So that's the expectation, that's the hype, that's always going to be there. But the reason why there's extra hype this year is because you look at the roster. This is the best roster you've had on campus now in a hot minute. This is a culture now going into year three. This is a quarterback that is probably the most talented quarterback you've had on campus since Colt McCoy. 
there's all these things that come together that combine with the fact that the conference itself, I think, is pretty wide open. A lot of people picking Texas to win the Big 12 in 2023 before they head out to the SEC. There's a lot that pieces together really well on this roster. And so the people that are saying Texas is hyped for the wrong reasons, I would say, one, you're wrong. But I would say, two, I understand where you're coming from. Because for people that oppose the Texas hype, they're saying it's boy that cried wolf. That's what they're feeling. Boy that cried wolf vibes is how you would explain the opposition to Texas. Because people are saying, well, yeah, Texas has always been talented. They've always been supposed to win that conference. They've always recruited the best. But when does it ever come together? For reasons I just said, the culture, the head coach, the potential at quarterback, and all the skill positions that are a proven commodity now at Texas, I think are reason to be excited. So I'll just say this. The hype around Texas is warranted. It's also unavoidable. But this is the year for the good folks in Austin where you're expecting now some return on investment. Last thing I'll say about Texas, you put in so much investment-wise. Now is the time, now is the year, rather, in year three, where you expect to get back some on that investment in the form of wins. All right, next, next school we got to talk about here, we look no further than Tallahassee, Florida. The Florida State Seminoles were another one of the top responses that we got in regards to the most hyped teams in college football. We'll talk about that in a second. Make sure you're subscribed right here. We talk ball every single day. Y'all are junkies for this sport, just like I am. We're talking about it in May. You're watching a video about it in May. You're watching a live show about it in May. So one, thank you, too, if you haven't yet joined the community. We'd love to have you a part of this. All right, so thank you in advance for that. As we were saying, FSU, enormous hype. Enormous hype. Everybody and their mother is talking about Florida State being like a, a playoff dark horse. That's kind of the term, right? You know, this time of year, you want to talk about dark horses. We did it on this show a couple of days ago. When you're everybody's dark horse pick, are you really a dark horse, right? Are you, are you really a dark horse to play for a national title if everybody has you penciled in in that, like, third spot? You know, it's a whole conversation. But with Florida State, the excitement comes with you have the most returning production in the entire country, and then you went through the portal and got some other guys. Fentrell Cypress, All-ACC corner, Jaheim Bell. A tight end from the SEC. He's listed as a tight end. He played everything for South Carolina last year. You look at Jordan Travis and the, the season he had last year. You look up and down this roster, and same thing we talked about with Texas. They've built to this now at Florida State. There's a lot of excitement at Florida State because of what they did last year. They had a pop year last year, won double-digit ball games. So the people in Tallahassee are saying, we won double-digit ball games. And we bring the majority of that team back. And we added more pieces to this roster. I didn't even mention Keon Coleman through the portal, who they just got, who's going to be a one-on-one -on -one nightmare. It's all sort of lining up for Florida State right here. From the roster perspective, from the culture perspective, from the ACC, like Florida State is now feeling like they should win the ACC, not they can win the ACC. The people in Tallahassee feel like they should win the ACC. So you win the ACC, you win the ACC with one loss, potentially that one loss comes against LSU in week one. Even the people in Florida State right now are saying, what are you talking about? We're not losing any games this year. Hey, we'll see. I'm excited about it. I'm not picking Florida State to, to lose. I'm just saying you could drop that first game and still potentially finish with one loss, be in the college football playoff, Florida State. The hype is real. I think it's fair, it's fair hype to have about Florida State right now. And there's a reason why the juice around Florida State is the way that it is right now. So Florida State, another team that is receiving a lot of hype that I believe is warranted. Now, let's, uh, let's go ahead and move our way out to Big Ten country, and I want to hang out here for a second. The Michigan Wolverines, 
are one of the most hyped teams in the country. Now, hype kind of has a negative connotation to it. And the connotation is, well, when you say hype, that means they haven't done anything yet. No, 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 no. I just mean there's excitement when I say hype around Michigan. Michigan has done a whole heck of a lot now. You look at that resume, back-to-back Big Big Ten champs, back-to-back victors in the most important game of the regular season for them against Ohio State in convincing fashion, might I add, and a lot of pieces back. Blake Corum said run that back one more year. J.J. McCarthy, another year as a starter. Donovan Edwards, pieces on defense. Continuity at the coordinator position now with Sharon Moore fully taking over the offense. There's a lot here at Michigan that you already know and that's the reason why there's hype. But the reason why I, I put the hype label on them in a positive way that is fair to say, they have reset the standard at Michigan. Because a couple of years ago, they would have said, great, we beat Ohio State. Cool, man. We're, we're good for the year. You sprinkle on top of that a Big Ten title. You say, beat Ohio State and win the Big Ten? Great. We are happy as can be. But you do that two years in a row, you get to the college football playoff, don't have a win in the college football playoff yet, then you start to say, hmm, well, what else could we pair with this Big Ten title and victory over Ohio State? What else, what else can we get? It's like when you get a 3.9 GPA for two semesters in a row, there's a point where you're not happy getting a 3.9 GPA anymore. You were happy with it at first. You say, great, that's a pretty solid GPA. I'm doing my job. But there's a point where you're like, man, what would it be like to, to have a 4-0? What would it be like if we're Michigan to win a national title again? What would it be like to bring that hardware back to Ann Arbor? That's now the standard they've reset. Because now you talk about it with Michigan, and we talk about it every single time. We talk about the good folks in Ann Arbor with the Wolverines, man. They're not expecting to just win the Big Ten. It's no longer good enough just to beat Ohio State. Now the expectation is national title or bust. That is it. Nothing less than a national title championship is acceptable that's why Jim Harbaugh is not listening to the NFL right now that's why Blake Corum came back like all these things are piecing together now for Michigan which equates to unfinished business that's what it is unfinished business and so for Michigan the hype is real but the hype is around we got to win a national title they'll have to go through Georgia to do it I believe have to go through a lot of other good teams to do it Ohio State being one of them but for them the mission is the national title, and that's it. They're also top five in returning production for those of you that are interested in keeping track at home. I said we were hanging out in Big Ten country, so we're going to keep doing that. Penn State, the Nittany Lions, they're getting a lot of hype now, and for good reason, because what would Penn State fans typically say going into last season? Really good roster. Nick Singleton, this time last year, going to be a freshman. We're excited about him, but we just don't know with Sean Clifford. How far can Sean Clifford take us? There was a feeling around Penn State that Sean Clifford was a really good quarterback, but was he a really great quarterback? Was he going to be enough for you to beat Michigan and beat Ohio State? So the eventual answer to that question was, not necessarily was Penn State good enough collectively, Sean Clifford included, to beat Michigan or Ohio State in 2022. Good news for Penn State fans was they won every other game, including the Rose Bowl against Utah. So Penn State now is saying, all right, well, Sean Clifford has now eventually, after 37 years in the saddle, graduated and is going to play for the Green Bay, Green Bay Packers. Excuse me. Drew Aller, excuse me, Drew Aller is set to take the reins for the Penn State offense. 
And it feels like for Penn State fans, they have finally, I say finally in a positive way, taken the governor off of the car. You love Sean Clifford. Heck, I believe Sean Clifford should get all the credit in the world for bringing Penn State to where they are now. But there's a feeling now that Drew Aller allows that engine offensively to rev a little bit more. Maybe he's going to be able to open up the offense and stretch it vertically with a little bit more consistency, a little bit more precision. He's got a rocket for an arm. We saw that in the spring game. We knew that about him coming out of high school. He was a five-star kid. You pair that with the backfield, Katron Allen, Nick Singleton, they were as advertised as freshmen. Dante Cephas, big time get through the portal from the MAC. You got Abdul Carter, who was a phenom freshman that Charles Power was way ahead of everybody else on in our industry with recruiting. Kalen King was a top 10 player for us. Olu Fashani was going to be a top 10 pick on the offensive line for Penn State this, this past season. He said, you know what? Unfinished business at Penn State. So all these things on paper, again, on paper, that's a big part of the hype, are aligning for Penn State to go and slay the dragon, to go beat Ohio State, to go beat Michigan. Like, that's the mission now for Penn State because they've done everything but that up to this point, it feels like, in this recent history for Penn State. And Drew Aller is a very big reason why the hype is what it is in Happy Valley. And it's hard to blame him. I see it, man. When you take off the governor off this car... They have, a they have a chance now. Penn State's going to have a chance. So I'm excited to watch that. But I think the receiver position is also something to watch. Keandre Lambert-Smith will have to play a major role. I already told you about Cephas. He'll have to play a major role. So keep an eye on Penn State and how explosive they can be in that receiver room. But everything around them, man, going to have a chance to be very, very dynamic as a team. Let's go back to SEC country. Let's talk about another big cap, and that's the Tigers. The Tigers of LSU have enormous hype. And the reason behind that is what they did in year one. I've said this before about Brian Kelly, but I like to think about Brian Kelly in his first year, like a relationship and giving your significant other a Christmas gift. Brian Kelly in year one at LSU, the year that was supposed to be rocky, the year where they were supposed to win seven games in Vegas, that is. They were over under win total, seven wins in Vegas. LSU and Brian Kelly. Brian Kelly gifted LSU a SEC title game appearance his first year there. You gave your significant other a car, your first Christmas together. So you and I both know this now. That second Christmas, there's going to be a lot of hype around it now. You've been together for about two years now. There's been some time. There's, there's been some more development in this relationship. There's been some more development in LSU as a team. If you got a car year one, Hey, what you getting me year two? What are you getting me year two? You getting me a, another car? You getting me a jet? Getting me a, a nicer car, a Ferrari? Like, what, what are we doing here for year two? And that's the feeling at LSU right now. They feel like they totally just skipped over all the growing pains, and they very well may have done that. But that's the reason why there's the hype. Big pieces coming back. Jaden Daniels at quarterback being one of them. Harold Perkins, super sophomore. I think one of the best, if not the best, defensive player in the country. They went and got Logan Diggs out of the portal. Like they, they got some pieces now. They got some pieces to do some really exciting things at LSU. A lot of it's on paper. They'll have to go through Bama to win that side of the SEC. But for LSU, they're like, if we got a car in year one, what you getting us in year two? What are we going to do in year two? So that's why there's excitement. That's why there's hype. And for LSU, it's all warranted. I don't say hype in a negative way, but the hype is absolutely palpable in Baton Rouge. Now, last thing I want to talk about here, we're going to fly out to the West Coast. And I want to talk about a team 
that is also thrown around when people talk about dark horses winning Power 5 conferences and this, that, and the other. The Washington Huskies. I don't know if we realize this. They won 11 games in 2022. Kalen DeBoer has the boys rolling. Michael Penix Jr., everybody pretty much forgot about after he got hurt at Indiana. He, I believe, led the country or was top two in the country in pass yards last year at Washington. And he's back. And their OC, Bama wanted to talk to him. He's back. There's a lot at Washington that feels like it's lined up perfectly. Not just with Michael Penix Jr., not just with where the roster's at, top 25 in returning production, by the way, but also look at the schedule. A lot of these big games kind of line up nicely for Washington. They get Oregon at home. They get Utah at home. Now, they go to USC, but guess when they play USC? They play USC the week before USC plays Oregon. That's got a big red flashing light that says, look ahead spot, look ahead spot. They're vulnerable for Washington they're going to have a chance to make some noise in that Pac-12 conference. There are a lot of people's sneaky pick to be a dark horse for the college football playoff. Here's the wild thing, too. That wouldn't be Washington's first time making the college football playoff. But for Washington, it's all lined up. The excitement is real. And I would love to see Washington, quite frankly, be a team that's in that playoff conversation come November because that would just be fun for the sport, man. But Washington, a lot of juice, a lot of hype right up there. Texas, Florida State, Michigan, Penn State, LSU, all riding the hype train, all warranted hype, and that's the beautiful part about May and the college football calendar. We get to just soak it up. Get in the chat right now. Let me know who are the teams that you believe have the most hype in college football. Who did we miss? I don't think we missed on anybody, but who, did, in your mind, who would you add to that list as the most hype teams in college football? Listen, we are right around, uh, around 40 likes away from reaching our goal of 100. If we get to 100 again before the end of the show, we will let y'all know who we have on on Thursday's edition of the Hard Count. Again, it's a Power 5 head coach. Really excited to share that conversation with y'all. Make sure you hit the like button, little thumbs up button right under the video. Go ahead and press that. Totally free. We won't bother you. And it helps the show. So thank you for that. Now, another thing that's been helping the show is y'all being rabid when it comes to these win total videos. And I, I say this all the time. We're the people's college football show, right? Like live and die with every single fall Saturday. Wake up, Chick-fil-A breakfast, college game day, college football till 3 a.m. when Pac-12 after dark ends. That's how we get down. Now, with that being said, people got to make their money back. Because every single Saturday, Vegas sits up there in their ivory tower. They peer down at us behind their screens and they just take all our money from sports gambling every single Saturday. They just take it away. Not anymore. Not anymore. There's some win totals within the Big 12 Conference that we like a lot. And we're going to attack them. And we're going to show no mercy. So without further ado, Texas Tech, seven and a half wins is the number that we are being given from Las Vegas. I've told you before, Zach Kitley, the OC at Texas Tech right now, Hogwarts grad. Had this offense scoring over 30 points a game last year. Tyler Shuck, if he's healthy, I think is the quarterback to run that offense. Zach Kitley also was at Western Kentucky. Remember Bailey Zappi? Remember all the records he set? I think they're in the progression to getting to be fully his offense. Taj Brooks now, he's led Texas Tech in rushing, I believe, the last two years, at least last season. He's a grown man 
running downhill with the football. Joey McGuire, to me, is like Ted Lasso from season one now. I don't claim season three Ted Lasso, but season one Ted Lasso, that's the kind of belief and energy and excitement he's created in Lubbock right now. You look at the schedule, too, they get Oregon at home. I'm just saying, they, they welcome Bo Nix to Lubbock. It's a long flight if you're coming from Oregon. They get Kansas State at home, defending Big 12 champions. They get TCU at home, another team that was in that Big 12 title game. They go at BYU. They go at Texas. But even still, I love over seven and a half wins. I'm taking it to the bank. You should too. Texas Tech and the Red Raiders. We're taking the over. Go ahead and lock it in. Seven and a half wins for the boys. Make sure you subscribe. We appreciate you all in advance for that. Make sure you like the video. We appreciate you in advance for that. All right? We're not going to waste too much time here. We're going to go no huddle, no mercy. Just like Gus Malzahn and company at UCF. Now, Vegas is giving us six and a half wins as the number for the Knights. Now, you'll notice here, the money I think we're making is somewhere in the middle of these win totals. A lot of the seven and a half and six and a half win totals we like a lot. Now, UCF, let's take a look at the schedule. No Texas, no TCU. They don't count as wins, but you see that? You kind of grin sheepishly and you go about your day. I need a 3-0 start. I need wins over Kent State. Now you go to Boise State game two. I need that one. You should dig deep, boys. I need that one. And also I need Villanova. Okay, so 3-0 has to happen. I need a fourth win somewhere before the bye week. So I need one of either Kansas State, Baylor at Kansas. Take your pick. I'm not picky. You win one of those games. We got four wins heading to the bye week. Hey, we're cool, boys. Easy breezy. Cool, calm, and collected. Now I need three of these last six to get to seven. I need either West Virginia, Oklahoma State, Houston, all at home, by the way. Three of these last six at home. Those would be the three to get. Also, maybe you get the win at Cincinnati. Bottom line, John Rice Plumley was fairly mid last year. No knock on John Rice Plumley. He'd probably tell you the same thing, fairly mid. But you look at Gus Malzahn and his development of quarterbacks and the offense itself. When it clicks for a guy, it clicks in a big way. I think John Rice Plumley and his ability going into year two for UCF pays da -da 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 dividends. And so we make cash money business. Take the over six and a half wins for UCF. We like seven or eight for the Knights. Their first year now in Big 12 play. Go ahead and lock that one up for us. Now, Kansas. The Jayhawks, right? Basketball school? No, 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 no. This is a football school. We've been saying it since... Game day was there last year. All right, this is a football school. Six and a half wins. Another six and a half win total from Vegas. <sighs> this is tough. I love Lance Leipold. Absolutely love Lance Leipold as the head coach there. And Jalen Daniels, not to be confused with Jaden Daniels at LSU, Jalen Daniels is a program guy. Had that offense humming when he was playing quarterback for them. They had three wins in 2022 by one score. Gritty, gutted out performances. Now, even so, they bring back 80% of the defense. Say, Jody, that's a good thing, right? Mm, not when you allow 37 points a game. Not when you allow 37 points a game. No, it's, it's not a good thing. You get Illinois in your non-conference. I love Kansas. I love the direction of their program under Coach, Hype, under Coach Leipold, rather. This hurts me. It hurts me to my core. You look at me right now when we're watching this, this whole thing live here on podcast. This kills me inside. We're taking under for Kansas on six and a half wins. I will say this, though. I do think they make a bowl game. So we like six more than seven, leaving us on the short end 
of six and a half wins. Under six and a half wins for the Kansas Jayhawks. Still a football school, though. Don't get it twisted. Still a football school. Now, the last win total we got to talk about, last time you saw them, they were playing in the national title game. And win the national title game, don't let that, you know, deter you from what we're about to talk about here with TCU. There is a lot of new pieces for this TCU team. The number is seven and a half wins. Max Duggan, gone. Quentin Johnston, gone. Kendra Miller, gone. A lot of really good players for this TCU team that made up the nucleus of the team that made a national title run, that beat Michigan, they're all gone. Garrett Riley, hate to break it to you, he's also cleaned out his locker. He's now the OC at Clemson. So you're saying, J.D., where are you going with this? you just building me up to tell, tell me that's going to be under seven and a half wins? As Lee Corso would say, not, not so fast, my friend. Here's the deal. It's a lot of new for TCU, but it's not a lot of young. Like, a lot of these cats have been in the program for TCU. A lot of these cats, if they weren't in TCU's program, are coming over from other good college football teams. I mean, you see what they got from Alabama. Trey Sanders was a five-star recruit previously at Alabama, never quite found his rhythm there, had some injuries. I think he is a diamond in the rough for them. That was a big pickup through the portal. Chandler Morris... I don't know why we all just forgot that Chandler Morris was the starting quarterback for this team going into last season. Only through his injury did Max Duggan get a chance to play. So that should tell you Sonny Dykes and company, they believe that Chandler Morris gives them a better chance to win games going into last year. And we all saw what Max Duggan did. He ended up being a Heisman Trophy finalist. So I'm not telling you that Chandler Morris is going to be better than Max Duggan, but I am telling you there's a lot of ability there that should encourage you. Now you look at this team, you got to bet on the system got to bet on the culture it's cliche but when it comes to the preseason win totals we haven't seen a down of football from these teams just yet the talent I think is better on this roster than people like to give credit last time we saw Chandler Morris play meaningful college football was against Baylor when he upset their chances of having a college football playoff run just went ballistic in that game bottom line the magic at TCU still there for those of you listening on podcast, I'm tapping my, uh, my notepad here with my notes. Magic is still there at TCU. Magic hasn't graduated. We're taking TCU. We're taking over seven and a half wins for the Horn Frogs. Go ahead and lock that one in. To recap it, Texas Tech, seven and a half wins. Smooth over. A smooth over. We love Zach Kittley. We love Joy McGuire. We love the way that schedule shapes up. UCF, welcome to the party, pal. Welcome to the Big 12. We're glad you're here. Six and a half wins. We'll take the over, too, and we'll keep on moving along. Kansas, the football school, Kansas, the Jayhawks. Love them with all my heart and soul. Felt like a part of me died here when I had to give them the under for six and a half wins. Not an exaggeration. TCU, seven and a half wins like the over. Magic, don't graduate. Go ahead and lock those in. Make yourself some money and pay for the Christmas presents for the kids early. All right. Golly. Man, that 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 just that kills me. Putting putting Kansas at under six and a half wins. They're gonna make a bowl game now. I'm telling you. They're gonna make a bowl game. Go ahead and get in the live chat. This is the benefit of being tuned in live right now. We're live on Tuesdays and Thursdays at this time. 10 a.m. Central, 11 a.m. Eastern. Jump in the live chat. Wanna hear from y'all. Gonna be a good time. Go ahead and get those questions in, those thoughts in right now. What are the win totals you like there? Some win totals within the Big 12 that you think we can all make some money on? You know, don't be stingy. Share those, and we'll all make some cash money. Appreciate you in advance for that. Listen, we're right around 25 likes away from our goal of 100 during this live show. Once we get off air, the count stops. 
So we're at 73 right now. Like the video. We'll tell you who we got on the next show. Appreciate you in advance for that. A little thumbs up icon right under the video. All right, let's keep this train moving now. Speaking of trains that have been moving, have y'all kept track of what's going on in Eugene, Oregon right now? Dan Lanning and the Oregon football staff have been on the equivalent of a recruiting heater. And those of y'all that have watched The Hangover, you know, you never walk away from a heater. You don't do it. Currently, right now with us being live, they have a top 10 class. According to the On3 industry rankings, they have been to work. They got Zadavian Sims, a four-star defensive lineman from Oklahoma. They got Michael Van Buren, four-star quarterback from Maryland. They got Dylan Gresham, a four-star wide receiver from the best coast playing in California. They've been to work, and it's been a run. Those have all been over the course of the last couple of days. So why does this matter for Oregon? You're saying, J.D., that's great. They got a top 10 class, long way from signing day. This is cool, but what does it mean? Well, at Oregon... The unfortunate reality is, with that job, you're only as good as your reach. What I mean by that, Oregon, I love Oregon. I got family in Oregon. Shout out Lake Oswego if you're tuned in right now. We love y'all. But here's the deal. At Oregon, it's not necessarily a, a hotbed of high school football talent. I'm not saying there's not good players that come out of Oregon, but the reality is, if you want to find, you know, sort of the hornet's nest of top players, you got to go elsewhere. And so for Oregon to have this reach now and go to Maryland and get a quarterback and go to Oklahoma and win a recruiting battle over the Sooners and take a four-star defensive lineman, that matters. That matters for Dan Landing. That matters for this team. So why are they able to do this? Well, the first reason is Dan Landing's just that dude. Like Dan Landing is a da-da-da-da dog, all right? And he comes from Kirby Smart's staff. And Kirby Smart, remember this now. They played Kirby Smart in the opener last year. And he said, we beat Oregon because we got better players than them. <laughs> and there was a part of you when listening to that press conference kind of cringed a little bit because you're like, man, you didn't have to do him like that, coach. I mean, he was just on your staff last year. You won a national title together. But then you start to think about it a little bit more, look at the roster, and you're like, he ain't lying. <laughs> you know, Kirby's not fibbing here, man. They do have the better Jimmys and the Joes. But Dan Lanning probably already knew that last year and has gone to work via the recruiting trail to go and get those Jimmys and Joes tirelessly to be a part of what he's building at Oregon. So that's the first part of this. The second part of this is the brand power that they have at Oregon. I want to show you a video here in just a second, but the brand, the brand, the brand at Oregon, the Nike, the O, there's so much about that that's visible. And we sat down with Dan Lanning about two months ago, talked about this, Here's what he had to say. What is the, the national brand of Oregon, and how do you utilize that to go places outside of the West Coast to Texas and those Southeast states? Yeah, ultimately, I think uh, Oregon's a brand that, that is a national brand. We can go anywhere in the world and go get the best players, and, and that's our job as coaches is to go find the best talent uh, that can make our team better. And this is a place where people want to play, a place where you know uh, players want to come and compete. You know, they have a familiarity with uh, Oregon. This is one of those schools that a lot of kids grow up saying, hey, this is my dream school. This is where I want to play. I've always uh, envisioned being in a place like this. And uh, that allows us to go anywhere. It really allows us to go anywhere and find the right guys uh, that want to be a part of something great and, and be a part of our team going forward. The brand power at Oregon. It's a real thing. He just said it. There's a lot of kids. It doesn't matter where you grew up at. You have memories of watching the Oregon Ducks playing meaningful football games. 
It's a lot of kids' dream schools. You know what the O is when you see it. You know that swoosh when you see it. It's a visible brand. And so Dan Lanning is saying, hmm, I got this tool here. I got this rocket fuel. Might as well plug it into the apparatus that is Oregon football and take it on the trail and go to work. And that's what they've done, man. And we're seeing it pay dividends here. That's why they have a real chance to be as successful as they want to be if Dan Lanning continues to recruit how he's recruiting. Again, a top 10 class right now. All the way in Eugene, Oregon. They're building a program. We'll talk more about that in a second. Make sure you subscribe right here. Make sure you're locked in right here. We talk college football every single day. Follow me on Twitter. Follow me on the gram. At Jody Pacquiao. All right, thank you for that in advance. So what does it mean? Like, that's great, J.D., they got a brand. That's great that they've got good players. But what does it mean? Does it mean they'll have success down the line? I mean, well, yeah, that's what I'm trying to tell you. They're going to have good players to compete in those games down the line. But what's happening right now in college football? What's happening? The tectonic plates are starting to shift within the conferences. We don't know what's going on with the Pac-12 right now. We don't know what's going to be going on with the ACC in however many months. That's right, not years, months. The Big 12, it seems like something's going on over there too. They're going to be aggressive in adding teams. So in this game of musical chairs that look like we're just barreling down a hill towards a power two with the SEC and the Big 10, Oregon now is going to have an on-field product, an on-field brand that's going to be attractive to a lot of teams, going to be attractive to, excuse me, to a lot of, I guess, acquisition teams, to a lot of conferences when it comes time to add these pieces. Yes, they got the Nike money. Yes, they got the brand. But when you have the on-field product to go with it and you have the longevity, you have the trend of how they're recruiting, that matters. How much? There's a lot of people that wear suit and ties to work that know a lot more about that than me and take that into account. But I'm telling you that it matters without a shadow of a doubt. Also, in the more immediate future, playoffs expanding. Playoffs expanding. Why does that matter? No longer are the days where you can recruit your three stars, your guys that fit your system, and you can just roll out there, play who you got to play, go undefeated through the regular season, win the BCS, and, and play in the BCS title game. And you make it there, and you got one shot, like Eminem, your music, your moment, you better not miss it. Like That was what Chip Kelly was able to do at Oregon and get them to that title game against Auburn. I don't think those days are, are here anymore, and here's why. In an expanded playoff, you got to win multiple games. You may have to win three games in a row to be able to play for a national title. And to do that, you're going to have to go up against teams that are tough physically, that have the talent rosters. I'm not going to guess at who those teams would be, but you and I can imagine exactly the kind of teams you'd have to go through, have to be able to win different styles of games. So for Oregon now, to put it simply, they're building an operation – out there in Eugene, that can go anywhere. I said it during the regular season when we saw Oregon and what they did on the field. I'm saying it right now with how they're recruiting. They are building a roster, talent-wise, that can win anywhere. You want to go play in Big 12 country? we got to line up against Oklahoma and Texas. We'll do it. we got to go play in the SEC and play up against Alabama and Georgia in the trenches. We're going to get there. That's what we're building. That's where Dan Lanning's from. So with that being said, Oregon is building a monster on the West Coast, the resources that they have in place, the branding they have in place, the leader they have in place, probably the most important part of this, is all trending the right direction. And the recruiting trail is a microcosm of the reflection of Oregon football and where it's headed. Wasn't that long ago now. 
On National Signing Day, I was sitting in this chair over here, moving over to the right a little bit. Josh Newberg, our national recruiting analyst for round three, was sitting right here in Oregon on National Signing Day. Just went on the equivalent of a fast break. Recruiting matters. And I promise you, it matters to Dan Lanning. So that's a good sign for all the good people in Eugene, Oregon. Make sure you're locked in right here. Listen, we got 10 more likes. 10 more likes now. We'll get to 100. We'll be at our goal, and we will reveal who our guest is going to be on Thursday's live edition of The Hard Count. Again, Power 5 head coach. I'm excited to tell y'all, but I can't do it until we get to 10. So that thumbs up button under the video, if you're live right now, go ahead and click that. We'll keep rolling, and we'll tell y'all when we get there. Now, once we go off air, it's, it's, it's off the table. We can't do it live if we're not live. You feel what I'm saying? So appreciate you in advance for that. Also, get in the chat. Let us know your thoughts. Let us know your concerns. I see a lot of y'all throwing in the hashtag AskJD. I'm all for it. Like, I don't even think we, we curated that, but y'all have run with it, so thank you for that. And, and you can feel free to get in those college football questions right now using the hashtag or however you want to use it through the live chat, the best way to do that. About to get to that in just a second, but I got one more thing that we got to talk about. And I saved this for the end of the show because I think I know our audience, and I think we got a bunch of college football sickos because yours truly is a college football sicko, so it takes one to know one. But here's the thing that we got to talk about. The college football video game is about to be back. Summer of 2024, we are so back. NIL becomes a thing, and the headlines read that you can now pay your starting quarterback, and you can get this player X amount of money, and they can finally earn what they're worth, and I'm for that. I'm all about that. But there was a portion of us that kind of stood in the back of the room and, and whispered you know, faintly to ourselves, do we get the video game back? Do we get Road to Glory back? Do we get Dynasty Mode back? Well, it is coming back, and I'll say this off the top. If it has just the Madden engine, if it's just like the Madden video game, but we get like the uniforms that are the same, I'm taking it right back to wherever I bought it from. So that's a fair warning. The ball is now in your court. But this is the college football sustenance that we used to rely on when we didn't have shows like this that existed. When there wasn't year-round college football content, you're in the middle of February, you're in the middle of March, whatever it ended up being, and you're like, man, I just... I need some Texas OU in my life. I need some Iron Bowl in my life. I need, I need some 11-on-11 some 11 11 football. So you would take it to the game, and that was how you sustained your college football appetite. That was how you were able to, to stay a part of this. The other part of this is, too, you would lose, you and I both know this, you would lose friends for either a day or a longer period of time because of how these games went. Like, I have full-on Twitter threads from... I don't even want to guess how long ago of me and my best friend going back and forth about who was better in this game. We kept a running tally. We kept a running like win loss record. Like th this is, this is a part of our fabric as college football fans. We inhale every part of this game when it's being played and when it's not being played, quite frankly, because of shows like this and because of the wild world that recruiting is, but because of this game too, we would experience it Saturday in and Saturday out. My earliest memories of playing this game are playing a high school game on Friday night, going home, playing the college football video game, waking up, going to practice the next day, and then watching game day and that was how my college football saturday got started like this, this is a part of what we do now get in the chat right now i want to know what playbook y'all would use because that's a thing now for y'all that are junkies with this game you know the playbook you use was a thing new mexico was the playbook i ran i'll tell you this too nobody stopped me in the triple option 
I'm reading your pitch key. I'm reading your splits of your linebacker. I'm reading your pitch defender. Like nobody is seeing me in that full house triple option, especially if I'm playing with Texas A&M and I'm Johnny Manziel. You're not even touching me. All right. Make sure you subscribe. Thank you in advance for that. So here's the deal. Things that we need to have in this game, because remember now, it's been like 11 years since we had the game, since EA Sports brought it back. Things that we have to have with the new college football that exists. Because the last time we had this, the BCS was still how we decided a champion. If they don't have the transfer portal, I'm going to lose my cool. I'm just saying it right now. If we don't have the transfer portal in this new college football game, we're going to have to have some conversations. Streets are talking. We need to have the transfer portal. I want to be able to, whether I'm a coach or in road to glory, making my player, I want to be able to have some flexibility with my college career and with my roster now. On top of that, I don't know how far we push the envelope here, but just the thought, tampering. Take it or leave it. Tampering with the transfer portal. You want to be realistic? You want to go with how college football is today? Throw some tampering in there, EA. I dare you. Also, in that same vein, NIL. It's a real thing now. Do I get to run a collective? Do I get to build my roster with name, image, likeness? Do I get an NIL budget if I'm at Alabama compared to if I'm playing at Cornell? I don't think Cornell's in the game as far as I know, but you understand the probably different budgets when it comes to NIL. What does that look like? I want to see that in this game, man. If I'm Road to Glory, do I get to build my, I don't know, NIL valuation? Hmm? That's a term now that you've been hearing a little bit, especially if you've kept up with our work here at On3. Maybe that's something you get to build within the game. I don't know. I think that would be a very good idea. I think that could be a chess move by EA. So I'd love to see that. I'd love to be able to get some deals done if I'm a player, especially on Road to Glory. Now, I need a field storming mode. I need conference realignment options. But at the end of the day, we're getting this game back. It's a beautiful thing. Y'all are probably just as excited as me. I know people that are already talking about taking PTO for summer of 2024. But the deal is we're so back. College football as a video game, it's back. Going to be a lot of fun. We're going to get to share it together. Should be a lot of fun. Will be a lot of fun. All right. Now, to the best part of this entire operation, for those of y'all that are tuned in live, would you look at that? 110 likes, man. That's the thing about our audience. We throw out a, a call to action, and y'all just respond. Like, I, I never once for a second doubted that we were going to get there, but, but to see y'all not just get 100, but get 110, we appreciate y'all in advance of that. So before we get to these questions here, Nick, I want to make sure that we make good on our word and tell y'all who we have coming on the show on Thursday. Y'all, we sat down with none other than the head coach of the Penn State Nittany Lions, James Franklin. Asked him about the juice around his program heading in 2023. Asked him about Drew Aller. Asked him about his backfield, his defense, what he is expecting from his team and how he's judging success. And a little bit of a spoiler here, he's, he's focused on week one with West Virginia. So, That'll be on Thursday. Appreciate y'all liking this video to get us to that. Make sure you're locked in here. We'll air that on Thursday, and it'll be an absolute blast. So now welcoming in to answer your questions, your college football thoughts, concerns, a little bit of CFP therapy, CFB therapy, rather. Heavy lifter extraordinaire, Nick Break. What's up, JD? Nick, what's going on, man? How we living? Well, first and foremost, I do want to admit, look, I'm a kicker um, back in high school. You know, I'm a tech nerd, hence why I'm on this side of the camera, with an exception to the end, I use the coach's suggestions for NCAA 14. Um, a lot of I ran a lot of the triple option. Uh, wasn't very good. <laughs> Deep plays. I mean, I just would get. I just the, the way that you ended that, I think, is just 
so uh, kind and transparent yeah. of you to say that you weren't very good. But hey, taking coaches' suggestions, no shame in that. <laughs> hey, you you hold your head high, brother. Yeah. You listen to coach Lee Corso. He won a lot of ball games. I'm just saying. <laughs> He's telling analytics. me to run a play. I might run a play. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. You know, I'd start at the defensive end on defense, and then I'd accidentally switch onto the corner, and I'd get just extremely burnt every Ooh, play. That's tough, though. Yeah. It's tough when you switch players and you end yeah. up switching to, like, <laughs> the, the corner that's covering the number oh. one receiver, and oh, you're yeah. supposed to be rushing the pass. Like, that, that is tough. Nick, before we get to these questions, who would you play with? Who is your team? Okay, so I'm from Kentucky. Um, WKU, which is my team, my alma mater, uh, they weren't very good. This before uh, – the glory days of Brandon Dowdy. So I played as Louisville, mm. uh, Teddy Bridgewater. Um, you know, I had some fun. Devontae Parker. There was a lot of players yes. on that team. Yeah, yeah. Parker was, well, too he was on Teddy. 14. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, I had a lot of fun. I, I had a lot that, of fun. Uh, first question from Rob Smith. Good morning from Ohio. Avid podcast listener. Shout out the podcast. Um, that only gets to the live shows occasionally. So I'm jumping in early with a hashtag AskJD. What are your thoughts on USC's um, AD Mike Bone stepping down and following up on that. What does it mean for Lincoln Riley? One shout out Rob Smith, just a program guy. He says, Hey, listen, I can't always make the live show. I'm a podcast guy, but I want to be a part of this conversation. I want to get in the live chat. So what does he do? He takes to the YouTube platform, gets in the live chat before anybody's watching, does the dirty work in, in, in the, the wee hours of the morning and gets in there. Great question. So th this was one, Nick, that I don't think any of us saw coming. And there's been different things that I have heard as relating to why he ended up leaving USC or why he resigned. I'm not going to speculate. I'm going to wait until we get some more concrete stuff on that. But um, my reaction was, wow. Because this was a guy who, have cr who has created so much momentum for USC, not just on the football side of things, but on the basketball side of things too. Like he had, it felt like to me at least, redirected USC and had pushed them back to a place where that brand held the prestige that I think we're all accustomed to it having, or at least on the track to doing so. So did a lot of great things for USC. In terms of what it means for Lincoln Riley, I don't know that it means a ton unless there is some sort of support for his operation that gets cut off. But by the way that they're humming right now, I don't think that'll happen. So I don't think it changes a lot for Lincoln Riley right now. But I do believe that Mike Bone was instrumental in helping get that plane off the ground that is USC football and mm -hmm. into the, the realm that it is right now. So a great question. I appreciate Rob being just an absolute hound dog getting that thing done yeah. and getting that in the chat, man. How about that? Absolutely. Whenever you're listening to this, Rob, we appreciate you. Always look at JD. Um, when we, when we load up the podcast, and I'm like, man, I really want this to get running. And J.D., you're always like, yes, it's running, man, it's running. And um, it's good to know people are listening. Uh, next question, K, hashtag Ask J.D., is this a make-or-break year for Neil Brown at West Virginia? What will it take for him to keep his job after this season? He's got hmm. a tough one to start, and uh, as we know, P uh, Penn State's got that game circled since it's week one, J.D. Man, Penn State are, is not overlooking West Virginia by any stretch of the imagination. Make sure you're tuned in Thursday for that interview because James Franklin, I mean, you'll just want to hear the interview. I'll say that. Uh, what does he need to do? I think he needs to make a bowl game because West Virginia right now with the tectonic plates that are shifting for the future of the Big 12, last year for OU in Texas to be in that conference, it's going to be a little bit of a smaller pond, at least two teams smaller. Um, for West Virginia, I just need some, some, good, uh, some goodwill from Neil Brown. I need to know that this thing is, is actually going to be heading somewhere. I think he's a good coach. I just wonder 
the certain situation they have right now at West Virginia, what that'll look like going forward. Because I think the Big 12, a lot of these teams are starting to trend upward. Like we talk about Texas Tech. I don't expect Baylor to stay down. TCU played for national title. Like there's so many teams that are starting to trend like this. I need to know for, for West Virginia, for Neil Brown, I need to know, are we taking steps like this? Are we taking steps in a positive direction, in a positive trend? Or are we kind of plateauing or... At, you know, the worst taking steps back because you can't afford to do that as the other teams that you're, you know, right, right along paired with in your conference are, are trending in the way that they're trending. So need a bowl game, need a bowl game, Neil Brown, need a bowl game. Well, great question though. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I always like getting the questions from, from West Virginia and Kay always asks questions about everybody. So appreciate Kay for doing that. Next question, Bobby Bobkins, hashtag AskJD. It's really catching on. Which classic NCAA football team would you like to play with first in the new video game? Ooh, Bobby Bobkins. Yeah. Bringing the, bring the <laughs> juice, man. The, the team I want to play with, dude, I don't know if, if we'll be able to play with them, but 2019 LSU, if they have classic teams, just would feel unfair. We talked about Joe Burrow, and, and I think his potential to even be higher on that top 10 list that ESPN put out is a real conversation. I mean, that was one of those guys that if the game were still being made, he would have had to be a cover athlete guy, right? You would have had to put Joey B on the cover there. So I would love to play with Joe Burrow, have Jamar Chase on the outside, throw to Justin Jefferson. Like that offense, I'm just telling anybody and everybody, if you ever play me in this game when it comes out, and I have that 2019 LSU team before we kick the ball off quit the game, take the automatic L. It'll be a waste of your time, be a waste of my time, and we can all just kind of get along with it. So that's where I'll fall on that one, Nick. Okay. Um, next question. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I don't know what I'd say. Um, you know, the next I mean, we just got to talk. We kind of got to throw the gauntlet down a little bit before the game's even released, right? Yeah, we're, we're like absolutely. a year away. We got we to let people know. Yeah, I agree. Man, we're talking. It's you know, <laughs> you got to do it. I know. You got to sound right. the alarm. I mean, we're, look, we're here in May <laughs> talking about college football uh, games that are going to be in September and in late August. So why not go even further into the into the future man i would want to and someone said this i i forget who i said that i played with old bridgewater in louisville i'd love to play with lamar jackson on that game Ooh, see i didn't even see i i like forget how long it's been since they played the game yep lamar jackson would have to be a cheat code oh now, his team may not be very good but yeah. he'd be a cheat code in that game good now night. my my friend big mike would personally make uh, the college football seasons for every year um and he made uh, Louisville, obviously, he made every team in, in that year. I played with Lamar Jackson, and I did get hurt in the first quarter. Dang. Um, every, all times, every time I used him. But, uh, yeah, it was still a lot of fun. Richard Dorsey, by the way, is the one who, who said, Dang. imagine using um, Louisville and Lamar Jackson. Also asked a good question, and I'm going to try to find it. One second, JD. Oh, well, yeah, shout out okay. Big Mike, dude. Shout out Big Mike for yeah. making the game. Big Mike. Like you yeah. got, you got to be, you got to be in the trenches. You're going <laughs> through making the roster and put it yeah. together. Like Big Mike yeah. crawled so we could walk and eventually run in this. And game. He, he said it take him like over a hundred hours every year, and he'd do it. Dude, um, Big Mike. And he'd rate him every. Big yeah. Mike's a real one, man. That's a football program guy. Yeah, program absolutely. guy to his core. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. Um, Richard Dorsey, like I said, um, brought up Lamar Jackson. Also asks, better chance at a Pac-12 title, Utah or Oregon, J.D.? Ooh, this is a great question. So Utah now, back-to-back. -back. Gone back-to-back -back and won the Pac-12 title. And they've also done it with, how do, how do we want to say this? In both seasons that they've won the Pac-12 title, 
in the Pac-12 title game. They had to beat a team that they beat convincingly during the season. Now, the USC game this year, I guess, wasn't convincingly, but they won it in walk-off fashion. They made it convincing in the Pac-12 title game. So it's so hard to pick against Utah because I just feel like we have such a good gauge for what they're going to be. I love Oregon. I just, I mean, if you were tuned into this live show at all earlier, you know how strongly we feel about Dan Lanning and what he's building at Oregon. I'm going to go ahead and lean Utah just because I haven't picked them the last two years to win the Pac-12. I don't know if we'll pick them this coming year, but in, in this conversation, in this question, I just know the identity of that team with Coach Whittingham, Cam Rising. You hope he's healthy sooner rather than later. Like, I, I feel good about Utah, and uh, we're going to be good too, but I like Utah in that conversation, Nick. Okay, man. Last question. You ready? Ready, brother. The very last question. And by the way, um, come back on Thursday. Like J.D. said, Penn State's coach will be here, Coach Franklin. Mm -hmm. uh, Briley, who always is here, a regular, ask J.D., hashtag ask J.D., I should say, what are the odds FAU finishes with a better record than Florida? People are starting to talk about Whoa. the Owls, J.D. Whoa, that's a question that... It's tough. I wasn't ready for that one. Uh, it's tough, though. I mean, they're going to have a, a bit of a culture shock going from Conference USA to AAC. That is true. Um, second year for Florida uh, in the new system. I don't know, J.D. That is true. So the over-under right now for Florida, the win total, that is, is at five and a half wins. So Vegas is telling you, hey, we don't think they're going to be that great. Maybe they make a bowl game. And they got tall towers in Vegas for a reason. So... With Florida, man, I'll say this. If Florida and FAU lined it up, Florida is waxing them. Okay, so I'll <laughs> say that so the Florida Gator fans don't hear me incorrectly. Now, the thing for FAU, the gauntlet. Now, now it's going to be different. It's going to be the American Conference, but it's not going to be the SEC. Tom Herman, Casey Thompson. I lean FAU here, Nick, just because I have no idea what to expect from Florida. So I'll lean from a record standpoint, FAU. That does not mean that FAU fans can now go and say we run this state when they talk to Florida fans. So make sure we all kind of keep this thing above board. But I'll go ahead and lean FAU in that conversation for them to be a team that wins, let's say, six or seven right now. It's May. We'll lean FAU and uh, Florida. We'll, we'll put all our hopes on Graham Mertz and yep. that backfield and we'll let the boys play when it comes time. Yep, J.D., man, I have very dark memories of watching and covering WKU football. Mm. Devin Singletary, my freshman year, just absolutely shredding up WKU's defense. Um, Willie Taggart coming in uh, to his former home, ruining our chances at a Conference USA championship. They're a good Damn. football team, J.D. Damn, they Good program. They've, they've had some guys. Yep. They've had some guys come out of FAU now. Yep. I mean, Lane Kiffin, when he was there, they were putting up numbers. Mm -hmm. and. It's you, you would think it's a probably somewhat easy place to recruit to being that you're on Boca Raton. So, oh, yeah, you know, it pro probably doesn't hurt things. Del Boca Vista from Seinfeld right there, man. Uh, see, I don't know Seinfeld well enough to know that reference. Is that's that a fine. Seinfeld reference? That's fine. Yeah, it, Dang, it, it's fine, man. Missed assignment by me. You got to you got to go me. watch some Seinfeld. So we probably need to go get off Dang, the air. That's all. Man. I'll I'm, see you I'm, Thursday, man. Nick, appreciate you. <laughs> I'm, I'm getting uh, I'm getting some some not so approving looks from the. Uh, the other side of the studio for my lack of knowledge there on Seinfeld. But that's Nick Brake, man. Keeper of the queue. Heavy lifter extraordinaire. Trey Yannity, he's not on screen, but he's also equally important to this operation. Doing everything that you see here. Both Nick Brake and Trey Yannity, heavy lifters getting it done. Now, we love y'all and we appreciate y'all. Make sure you come right back here. Like the video on your way out. Subscribe on your way out. Come right back here Thursday, 10 a.m. Central, 11 a.m. Eastern. Get on the podcast as well. Give us a five-star review. Leave us a comment, all that. This is your show. 
All right, we appreciate y'all. We love y'all. We're 95 days away from college football. We're going to keep this party rolling. We will see y'all next time.